I want to thank everyone for being here this morning. Our pastor and his lovely bride is down in Africa building tabernacles that this church has provided the money for. And, uh, you know, people's going to be gathering together in those places to hear God's Word. And there's going to be a preacher there that gets up on a Sunday morning and tells those people, I'm glad you're here to hear God's Word. Now, if you're not hearing God's Word, that's because you're not listening. Because I'm going to talk this morning about some people that was picked by God to do things for Him, to do things for the kingdom. And I know this morning in this congregation, there's been people that's been called to do things for the Father. We all have a mission in life. We all have a purpose. And if we are joined together with God through our confession of sin and acknowledging Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we're going to get that mission done. Otherwise, it's just not going to happen. So this morning, I want to start you out in Genesis 1 and 1. I'm going to tell you how great God is. He created. How? He spoke the words. He just said, in the beginning, God. In the beginning, God created. There was nothing. It says in his word, the earth was formless and empty. Have you ever stood in your living room and spoke words and said, boy, it's empty in here. Did you see anything happen from your words, the words you spoke? You know, you said, I'm going to vacuum. Well, that vacuum cleaner doesn't start running just because you said, I'm going to vacuum. You got to turn it on, plug it up. Well, when God spoke, there was light. There was light. And he started creating. In six days, he created. And the Spirit of God, that's the Spirit that we have today in our being, was the Spirit when God started creating. And on the sixth day, he created what we known as man, male and female. He created. He was an awesome God. Genesis 1.26 says, he says, let us. Who is us in the Godhead? The Trinity. The Son. There, Jesus, right? He came. He paid the price on Calvary, the supreme sacrifice. And if he had just went to the tomb and stayed longer than three days or a week, what would we be missing in our life today? Grace. Right? So the Spirit of God, that's two. And then he's going to talk about the King of Kings. That's Jesus. But in the garden, God made a garden. Isn't he great? He made, he made a place. If you have a garden at your home, you go out there for a little solitude, a little personal time, you know, that secret place you can go and drink your cup of coffee and look around what you planted, the roses and the, all the different flowers is looking beautiful. Well, God planted a garden. God created. God said, let us make. And God planted. Hmm. He does a lot of things, doesn't he? Then the Lord says, 
God calls man to fall asleep. Man, here comes our blessing. Right here in Genesis 2.22. said, man fell asleep. He put him to sleep, gave him a sleeping pill. Then he reached in and took a rib. I guess that's why guys like ribs, you know. Because God took one of ours and, and he made our lovely spouse, our lovely wife. Says, yep, he took it from his rib, he took it out and brought her to man, and he says, I'm going to call you a woman. My woman. There just happened to be no other women around, so he didn't have much of a choice, right? It's my woman. But God is awesome God. You know, he just, uh, I'm going to put on my glasses here and see. You know, when... Uh, Man was kind of alone. It's like men that uh, their wife's off uh, a conference or off with their girlfriends or maybe uh, taking a little personal time. It kind of gets lonesome around that old house, doesn't it? Well, I'm sure old Adam, he named all the animals and named all the plants and the garden and he is a good gardener, and the Lord finally says, well, he needs somebody to, for him to be bossed around by, you know. But, uh, you know, I'll tell you what. Guys wouldn't give it up, would you, for no amount of money. But you got to realize that God, Adam had to listen to what God said. Right? Listening to God. Hearing God. When God speaks, He expects some type of reaction from you. If you are a, God, a, child, a child of God, He has claimed you through His Son, Jesus Christ. He wants you to listen, right? Do you enjoy your children listening to you without getting the stick out or the belt or the time out? Well, the Lord's the same way. And he kind of tells people in the Old Testament, since uh, the Holy Spirit hadn't come upon man, except when God brought it upon him, says, Noah did all the Lord commanded him to do. Genesis 7 and 5. Can you imagine when God told Noah to build Something that would float. It has never rained. He told him about the flood. What's a flood? We know what a flood is, right? We see a lot of different parts of our country having floods. Houston, Texas had one a while back. They had floods down in Florida. They've had floods in Oklahoma. Lightning Creek used to be real bad about flooding. So we knew what they were, but Noah didn't know. He says, and Noah, I want you to build this thing that floats. And I tell you what, if I'd been Noah, I'd say, well, Lord, I, first of all, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it looks like. How big do you want it? Well, the architect of Noah's boat was God himself. Can you imagine when God told Noah that and he was hearing what God said? The questions that Noah may have had. It's like today when God says, I want 
Pastor Dan Schaefer to start building tabernacles in Africa. Really? Well, where do he's, that started over here, right next door over here. Missions, called missions. What would you have done if, if God had said, I want you to go on a mission trip? First thing you'd say, well, how do I go? Who pays for it? You, you got to eat, right? You got to have clothes to go on a mission trip. A lot of questions. Maybe that's why people don't like to listen to God sometimes. You know, when you're hearing God's word, it should perk you up. Not say, well, let me go get my earplugs. I, I don't want to hear this because I know he's going to be asking me to do something that may be impossible. So Noah said, uh, okay. What does it look like? Oh, there's a picture of it. That's built to scale. Believe it or not, I've always thought of it as just another boat, you know. But it happens to be, by our measurements, 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, 45 feet high. The ark, or we'll call it a boat, had three decks, and it had a unique thing about it. One door. One door. No lifeboats. Nothing to steer it with. No motor. No sails. But when he got through, that's what it looked like. And see where the door's at. You would say, well, that's the end of the ship. Or is that the end of the ship? Or the ark? That's what the animals went up, two by two, seven by seven. And the Lord closed the door. Well, that was probably a pretty good-sized door when you got elephants and giraffes. You know how tall they are. Going into that, and then the Lord says, your family, they go in last. They gather everything together. That's where they're going to live for a long time is on what God built. So you can imagine, go back and imagine you're Noah and you're sitting out there under a tree and Noah was a righteous man. He was a man that God picked out because he was true and righteous. He hadn't even had the Bible written yet. So what prompted him to be righteous? You know, we, we have God's word from Genesis to Revelations and we have a trouble doing right things, do we not? So God picked out people that was dedicated to God before they really knew who God was. But Noah did not hesitate to do what Noah did all that the Lord commanded him. Sometimes we have a hard time of... No, I won't say that one. Uh, just getting... A, getting Things paid that we need to pay because God says, I get 10% and you get 90, right? I've been there, I've done that, and I have confessed my sin to the Lord. You can't outgive Him to start with, so don't try. Just do what He asked you to do, and He will provide. He provided Noah with the wood that built that thing. With the sealant, the caulking that went on it. I had a, a, a blessing to get up and go see that thing called an ark. 
And I stood in amazement knowing that ark was built by Noah and his boys because the world was in a bad shape at that time. God said it was wicked. What he had made was wickedness. Wicked, wicked. So Noah and his family built what would be known typically, typically as Jesus coming and giving his life for us. He gave what God told him to do as a way of showing that God, that Jesus Christ is the door. And he is the only door to eternal life in heaven. So we, get, we got to listen. We got to be hearing what God said. If we don't, we can miss the boat. Because when he, Jesus shut the door, the rain that they didn't know anything about came. And it came and it rained and it kept getting a little higher and a little higher. And pretty soon it was over the heads of a giraffe. And they drowned. And God cleaned the earth with that water. It's like when you get baptized, you're, you're making a symbolic gesture to God. says, I am being baptized to show that I have demonstrated to my friends and my brothers and sisters in God that I am clean and accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Cleansed by water and cleansed by the blood of Jesus on the cross. That's our entrance into eternal life with God. He's, he's an awesome God. He's just awesome. And then there was a guy that uh, wandered around on a mountain for a while, about 40 years. And his name was Moses. Everybody knows the story of Moses. Now, Moses was a man that uh, him and the Lord had a lot to talk about after he acknowledged that that burning bush was uh, God. Now, God comes in many forms, and he talks to us in many different ways. You know, and he's when he's going to the extremes, and I think burning a bush that wasn't burning to start with was extreme because Moses had to go over there and check it out. He says, why is that bush not consumed by fire? Well, God's fire doesn't consume nothing but sin. It don't consume anything else. That's why the Holy Spirit, when it came, he came with fire, and it lit upon the upper room, the 120 or however many was in there, and it settled on them, and it was the Holy Spirit. So Moses listened to the bush, listened to God, was hearing what he had to say, and he called him Moses. Moses called him twice, and Moses said, "Here am I." Do that? Is that what we say when God calls us to do things? He says, Marvin, Marvin, I call you to go overseas. I'd go. But it's like I tell Pastor Dan on several occasions, I haven't heard that yet. But I definitely do. I will support it 100%. And those that are answering God's call in the mission field, 
They had to have God's support to do that. You know, Moses was called to deliver the people out of bondage. But when you go back and read about Moses, you'll find out he really did not want to go. He used one excuse after the other. I can't speak, I can't do this, I can't do that. You know, to the point the Lord got angry with him. He said, well, he said, well who did I tell him sent me? What did, the, what did the God say? Tell him, I am who I am. Now, somebody come into the house and said, tell him who, who sent you. And you said, I am who I am. You said, well, that's great, but who sent you down here to see me? Right? So, you know, when we listen to God and hearing what God says, we can respond to it based on what he says to us. You know, Moses could have accepted that challenge, but he chose not to until the argument was over. And when he said he couldn't speak very well, the Lord said, hey, I've already took care of that. Aaron's on the way. So that already tells me right there that God knows what we're thinking. You know, we're sitting on the pew and the, and the pastor says, well, we need to raise uh, $10,000 to put windows in the tabernacles we built overseas over in Africa. And you're sitting there, I haven't heard that one. The Lord didn't tell me that. Of course not, because you're talking when he's talking to you. You know, well, give a dollar. A dollar will go a long ways when the Lord gets his hands on it. It, it does. We had a, a little testimony about hamburgers going a long way in Sunday school this morning. She was beginning to wonder if it was going to make it and feed them. Well, it did, and she had some left over. About like feeding the 5,000, right? 5,000 men, women, and children. It could have been 10,000 people. A couple of fish and some bread, and the Lord said, Bless it, Father, bless it. And he, they started feeding. And at one time, they had 12 baskets of it left over. You know, I like fish. So I could have had one basket by myself, you know, if you fix it like black and catfish or something like that. But that's, that's me. I, I could have stayed there with Jesus and went to the next crowd. Maybe I'd do it again. Well, Moses was a man that finally decided to honor God's word and I'm sure after the conversation him and Moses had, I know I would have went out there with a stick or no stick in my hand and led him out of bondage. And David, I love David. The Lord said, a man after his own heart, after God's heart. He sinned, and the Lord forgave him because he could hear David. Nathan, Nathan told him, you know, you're the one. When God is speaking to you about your destination, you have sin in your life. The scriptures that says, says we're all sinners saved by grace. Pay attention, please, when you're hearing him say, today is the day that you need to change your life. David did something that is very key to living a life for God. David, before he became king, honored the king that was out to kill him, to end his life. And I, I believe that God honored David the same way. 
after David confessed his sin and he lost his firstborn. David had written Psalms and he wrote this one here. Psalms 2, 6 and 7. Now this is David writing about God and his son. He says, I have installed my king over Zion. Zion being Jerusalem. I have installed him. This is going on many eons, thousands of years before Jesus come. He's telling David, David, Jesus is coming. He's coming through your bloodline. A man that started out by having a man killed so he could have his wife. And God says, my son Jesus is coming through your bloodline. Wow. Isn't he a forgiving God? He's an awesome God. He's just, he's there. He's, he's just waiting for you to say, Lord, today is the day I changed my life. I know it was for me. I, I played church a long time. I mean, I could go to church with the best of them. I could go Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, any other night that the pastor said something was going on. I could go. But one night, Brother Shambach was at Crossroads. And what he's saying about God and Jesus, the Son, really got to me. And he says to me, he says, enough is enough. Either serve me or get out of my house. Now that's a conversation I hope never to have again. But he was tired of my make-believe. He was tired that I would say something that was not true. And he says, either, like we like to say, put up. Or shut up. Get out of my house. You're in the house of prayer. You're in the house where the Holy Spirit tugs on people's heart to, to find a place of forgiveness. I found a place. I went down and found me a corner of that circular altar that was built over there. Found me a corner over there, and I and God had a conversation that changed my life. He's awesome, folks. God is awesome. Matthew 1 and 18 talks about the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And everybody has heard it, seen performances of birth of Christ. I think a lot of people just take it for granted, but I like to think of his mother, Mary. Mary had an encounter with the Holy Spirit, an encounter that changed the world because the Lord God had laid out a plan for a, a tabernacle, an altar to accept burnt offerings and that's the way things was going 
And I think they had a board meeting up there one day, God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, and said, Father, do you remember what you said in the garden when Adam and Eve left and you made a statement about what would happen on Calvary? That old Satan would bruise only the hills of Jesus Christ, our Savior. And that was because of the cross. Oh, Satan, I think, stood out there and watched him, the child of Mary, on that cross, nails in his hands and in his feet and blood dripping down on the ground, on the earth that God created. Can you imagine the souls that was there in the ground crying out, at last, at last, the sacrifice for sin? It was not an animal. It was Jesus Christ that was bleeding. His blood dripping out. And, and that day was appointed in the creation of the garden, in the creation of the world. When man sinned, the Lord escorted them out, put angels on the gate into the garden with flaming swords so they could not return and eat of the tree of life. The tree of life that was in the garden is in heaven. And it's there today. That's our tree. It's standing by the river of life. It's flowing. The leaves are healing nations. That's my Savior. That's the baby of Mary. He's called Messiah. The anointed one. He walked this place called earth for three years. And he carried a cross up the straight street to Calvary. And they laid it on the ground, that tree. Took the nails and the mallet. Took one hand and put a nail through it took the other one, put a nail through it, put his feet on the cross and put a nail through it. And in the end, they pierced his side and the, and the scripture says, blood and vinegar came out. That is a sacrifice he can never give again. No angel in heaven, the Father, the Son, or the Holy Spirit can go to the cross for us sinners again. One time, Jesus Christ. He is our Lord. He is our Savior. He is the King of kings. He has a hundred names. Mary, hearing what God said, you will give birth to the Savior of the world. John wrote, right? God sent the word. He sent life. There's life in, in the words, is it or not? There's life and death in the tongue. The tongue speaks words. God speaks words to us. 
We just need to be hearing what he says. Saul, a good friend, because I enjoy reading him, I feel like I know him pretty good. Oh, Saul, he is a sinner like me. He stood on the rim of the place where they stoned Stephen to death. And Stephen preaching to him while they killed him with stone after stone. Saul stood there approving it. And he was a man of God. He was a Pharisee. He knew the Old Testament forward, backward, inside out. He was doing something God wanted him to do. He thought because that's the way he was trained. So he even helped the coats of people doing the stoning when they stoned Stephen to death. And my Lord probably stood up there and said, You know, I've had all of this guy called Saul I want. He's going to head over to Damascus and he's going to have in his hand something that the priest in the synagogue gave him to take people that were followers of Jesus Christ Maybe the parts of the 5,000 he fed or the people that was healed by, by mud in their eyes or blindness or by the little lady just reached through the crowd and touched the hem of her garment. And he says, by your faith, sister, your faith, you are healed. Why? Because the power of healing flew out of, flowed out of him into her and something that had bothered her for 13 years was healed like that, just instantly. And I think Jesus said, Saul, you've hurt my church long enough. That church was called the way. The way being Jesus Christ and His way. There's no other way to heaven except through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And out there on that road, I'm sure... Saul was planning on how he was going to go into the synagogues and in the byways and in the hedges and pull these Jesus believers out and take them and put them in jail or in the arena for the lions to chew on. He had a plan and it was interrupted. There was a voice. And I don't think Saul was really listening that day. But he got the hearing that day. He got his hearing fixed. He said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Saul, what have I done to you, you know? What, what's, why do you want to be this way? Because what was Saul's answer to him? He says, he says, who are you, Lord? He knew it had to be a heavenly being because he was a Pharisee. He knew all about God, everything there was to know about him. He said, well, who are you, Lord? And he said, I'm Jesus. I am the Christ. I am he who come to save the world. I am in the bloodline of David. You've read about David, Saul, in the Old Testament, right? You knew who David was. Saul, I am he. I am the man. My life on the cross was the sacrifice. My resurrection was the salvation of that sacrifice. The tomb is empty. He walks amongst them. 
Over 500, maybe more people saw him. But one of them wasn't Saul, I don't think. Now he said, now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. When you get up off your knees after your conversation with Jesus Christ and he says, now listen, listen, this is what I want you to do. Hearing God is what changes your life. It's not your mama, your sister, or your brother, or your daddy. No cousins. It's Jesus Christ that makes a difference. He's the one that changes who you are inside and outside. Now, your neighbor might think the outside hadn't been cleaned up yet just by looking at you, but he will notice over a period of time like Saul, you know, Saul couldn't see anything from the time he saw Jesus to the time he got to Damascus because Jesus said, you're going to be blind. And what is he? He's a healer of the blind. He said, there's a guy that's going to come pray for you and you're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And Saul was probably saying, I'll do anything and get my eyes back. I understand that. I'm trying to get mine back. But then he found out what the mission was. And aren't we glad that God gave someone the mission to bring the ministry of Jesus Christ to us? Started with the four Gospels. Tells all about who Jesus saw. Each writer tells something different that makes him whole. Makes him the real thing. He walks, he talks, he listens to them. He actually breaks some of the old covenant laws, the Old Testament laws. He healed a man of sickness on a Sabbath day. And Sabbath was supposed to be sacred and holy and all of this, right? And his disciples pulled corn out of a corn patch on a Sunday. They walked a lot of distance on a Sunday. I remember growing up, there was government at that time tried to make Sunday uh, uh, what they call a blue day or something like that. No selling, no buying or anything. Well, it didn't last long because people learned they could make money. But, and it became the ruler. But God, in, it, from Genesis 1 and 1 through Revelation, which is a revelation of Jesus Christ our Savior, it's, it's John writing Revelation. It's God telling John what to write. So John has to be hearing what God says. This is what's going to happen. I came, I preached, I did disciples, I made apostles, uh, I set up the church. We are the church, are we not? This is a building that we meet in, but we, the body, is the church. And our leader is Jesus Christ. He uses a shepherd. That's what Jesus said. You hear the shepherd. John 10, talking about the shepherd. What the shepherd does. That's up to our pastor. He's the shepherd. He leads us. He directs us through what God tells him by him hearing from God. 
I tell you, when you start working on a sermon, it don't come easy. You know, he expects you to work for it. It's your blessing. You know, it's a blessing for me to talk to you guys on a Sunday morning. I, I, I enjoy it. You know, I know people that talk more than I do. But, you know, that's fine. That's okay. I, I got ears. I listen. They're better than my eyes seeing right now. I'm going to get better at that, though. But, you know, I, the Lord God is, to me, after that encounter with him, when he really just said either get with it or get out of it, was a wake-up call. Because I tell you, I could, matter of fact, I'd become an elder over there for Pastor Dan, and, and uh, after that, and I just I enjoyed hearing the man preach, because I know after that encounter with the Lord that night over, over there in that corner of that pew, or that altar that's over there, I, I, I just, I would not do anything against my Lord, I don't think. I think my days would my days are numbered. I think my number would come up. I think my life right now is God's one. Anybody else is going to be number two. Pat said that one time. She says, when we got married, Marvin said, God is one and I'm number two. Said, that dog come along and I moved to number three. You know, but, <laughs> but you know, it's, if God's not first, then what's wrong with your life? If you're hoping to get out of this world into eternity, because eternity, I understand this morning from my Sunday school class that I get to go to on Sunday morning, is eternal life starts with Christ when you are saved. Either that or that little old thing that crawls around and eats dust called serpent, the old Satan. Guess what? He's holding his door open for you. I mean, if, if you've been around for very long, and, and, I, and I tell people I do this sometimes, is I'll take the last church directory I got over at Crossroads, and I'll sit down and start going through it. People, it scares me because sometimes I think I'm the only one left out of that bunch. And if their number was up, mine must be pretty close to being up. Because a lot of my friends in Christ are now with Christ. And that makes me jealous. You know, it just, it does. Because I know he's waiting for me. He said he was. With open arms. You can't, that's awesome. To be that close to God and not be with him. Like Enoch. You go back and study Enoch. He was a man that lived 365 years. 65 of them, he raised a family and had a family. And then 300 years, he walked with God and raised. And then one day it just says, and he wasn't anymore. He didn't even go by the way of the grave. He was with God. You know, Abraham was not afforded that. Moses wasn't afforded. He didn't even get to cross the Jordan River because of an overreaction to what God said for him to do. He said hit that rock once for water. And him being all upset by that million people out in the desert with him. He whacked it twice. And cost him a boat ticket across the Jordan. The angels got to bury him. He was buried by angels. So you know that's, that's important. To understand what God has for your life. What he did with Moses or Noah 
are Saul, who later become Paul, and he wrote most of the New Testament. He still has a place in his ministry, his kingdom, that he's still working on because we're part of that kingdom. We each have a place. We each have a mansion to claim when we get there. I want mine. And I I don't want antique furniture in it or anything like that. I just want me in it. Because whatever God provides, it's going to be awesome anyway. Anybody that can pay streets with gold, imagine what the house looks like that you're going to live in. It's going to be more beautiful than anything you can build down here. And thing being is who you're walking with. Walking with Jesus. Talking to God. Talking to the disciples and the people that was slain in the last days because they would not accept the mark of the beast that give their life for their Savior. And the Savior had already given His for us. So this morning, I just ask that you listen and hear what God has to say to you this morning. If you don't know Him as your personal Savior, find a place and somebody to pray with you if that's what you want. But talk to God about you and what you're going to do in the kingdom and what He wants you to do after you make your confession of sin. Just accept Him as Lord and Savior. I guarantee you by His Word that your life will grow. Spiritual, it will by leaps and bounds. And there's blessings all along the way.